the second part of the two-part study today is pretty simple. It's uh, exhaustion. Have you guys ever been tired before? <laughs> I'm tired all the time. When I was younger, I thought that I didn't get enough sleep. I slept 12 hours a day. I am still tired. I need more rest. Then I grew up, and adulting is hard. You know what adulting is? Adulting is not sleeping. It is. I look forward to the times where I can just go to sleep. In fact, when I was younger, I was stupid. Sorry, it's true. And I, I, would, I wanted to do everything, right? So I'm, I'm very young. I'm just graduated from high school. And I'm driving to Vegas to work because I lived out in Pahrump. I'm driving to Vegas to work right about the time where I am. I'm graduating from high school. And what I would do is I would wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning to be at the job site by 5.30. I'd start driving into Vegas at 4 o'clock. I'd get to work. I'd work all day. I'd get off at 2 or 3. I'd drive home. And what would I do? I'd go hang out with my friends, of course. And I would hang out with my friends almost every day because we didn't have school anymore and works for suckers, but we still went until midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning. And then I'd go to bed and i wake up at 4 and I'd do it all over again. And I was tired. I was tired. And there's three times in my life where I should have died. I'm going to tell you guys the, all three in, in a, a special service that we have coming up. I don't want to spoil it for you. But I'm going to tell you one today, one time when I should have died. And I saw these three times God miraculously by his hand save my life. One morning after a long night o'clock I was out got home went to bed woke up at four driving into Vegas went over the mountain popped down I'm coming down that long sweep and I fell asleep driving into town for work I don't know how long I was sleeping for but I do know that my truck drifted over into oncoming traffic because it was just the you know the, the one lane two lanes and somewhere deep in the crevice of my mind I heard a frantic beeping noise. And I open my eyes, and I'm doing cruise control, 75 miles an hour, and there's a white cargo van about not even 50 feet in front of me who has nowhere to go, flashing his lights and beeping his horn. If I hit the guy, we would have both probably been dead. It was, it was so close, we could have high or pinky promise through the window, me getting back over into my lane. I'm not kidding. It was, it was, it, I, I almost had a heart attack. I had to pull over on the side of the road and regain myself. And by the grace of God, not only did I wake at the moment that I did to be able to pull back over in the lane, but I didn't overcorrect after I had just been sleeping. I didn't go on the shoulder. I didn't overcorrect. And, I, and I, I lived. It was at that point in my life when God was trying to get a hold of me. He was allowing me to go through certain things to show me, Tim, you are mine. Stop living for yourself. And I wasn't just exhausted physically because I was working and playing like a dummy. I was exhausted spiritually. I was exhausted emotionally. 
I was a tired person for being so young. In fact, I was so tired of life at this time that, that I was getting ready to just give up. I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. Life. Now, those two other instances are not connected at all to that. But this one in particular, the Lord found me at a time in my life when I was, I was really tired. And I think, really, the Lord spoke to my heart when I was looking at this, this second part of this, this study. And he wants us to take a look at our lives and, and find out why we're exhausted what kind of exhaustion it is? Why are we tired? What are you tired of? Look at verse 30. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. Now this is where we finished last week, and the reason that we have to pick up here is because how it's connected. That's why it's a two-part message of how it's connected now. To fill you in from verse 30, the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Their mission that he had sent them out on, they had been successful. And they're happy. But they were busy. It was hard work. You know what one of the hardest things in life is? Rejection. Rejection is tough. And these guys, they're preaching the gospel, and some people are receiving it, and some people are rejecting them. And before, I didn't think that that was too big of a deal. I thought, you know, you get rejected. Who cares? I'm right. They're wrong, right? Yeah. It's not my fault. Dust my sins off. You're going to hell. <laughs> then the Lord said, Tim, I want to teach you something. Me And he put me in a place for eight years, my wife and I, where all we experienced 95% of the time was rejection. We were, we were missionaries. We were foreigners to them. They knew better. They had tradition. They had religion. And I got tired in ministry because of rejection. But whatever degree they're tired, it's not just because of re rejection. I'm trying to paint a bigger picture. There's many reasons Coming back, that they're joyful, they're, they're happy, but also they're tired. And Jesus recognizes this. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. What a beautiful verse. There's so much going on that sometimes we need to just Go to a deserted place and rest a while. Remember what we talked about last week? Don't just turn your phone off. Don't just turn your TV off. Get in your car and go out to the wilderness for a little bit, you know? Go drive up to the mountain. Get, get away from everything. Jesus recognizes their need, and he tells them what to do. Come on, let's go rest. Somebody here, one of you guys may be exhausted with life today. 
you might be tired. It's a season of extraordinary activity and your resources are depleted. Jesus says, come and rest. He says, I want you to rest. He says, I don't want you to keep going till you're dead. I want you to rest. Maybe you're mentally or, or emotionally overwhelmed. Maybe you're a different person and you're mentally and emotionally, uh, emotionally overwhelmed with, with many decisions and changes that are going on right now. And you're feeling it. Jesus says, I want you to rest. Come and rest a while. The exhaustion is still there. It's still part of the cost. But he makes provision for it as well. The Lord may be using you like he was the disciples in incredible ways. You're helping people and using the gifts he gave you or others. And there's so much need. There's so much stuff that you're doing that you want to keep going, but you're just exhausted. I want you to rest. We see exhaustion is a part of the cost. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat, so they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. They were so busy, they couldn't even eat. Now, I get busy, but I don't have that problem, apparently. In Croatia, it was looked down upon if you were eating and walking. If, if they saw you and, and, you know, you grabbed a bite to eat and you're eating and walking around, they're like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so driven? Sit down. Have a, have a bite to eat. That was good for me, you know? <laughs> or not eating. That's how busy they were. Let's put this in, in the picture. The Messiah is here. You're with him. There's all this stuff going on. There's all this stuff that he wants you to be a part of. But it's getting so crazy that you don't even have time to eat. So Jesus says, let's rest. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. Verse 33, the multitude saw them departing and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. Just leave us alone for a little bit. It's not like I feel about my kids. They see me departing. They know where I'm going. They're running ahead of me to meet me there. I'm like, leave me alone. What is wrong with you small people? (laughs) Jesus sees a need. This is what I tell people who want to get involved in ministry or want to go into ministry and want to be missionaries. This is something that I heard from a man many years ago that has sincerely stuck deep in my heart. We We do not minister according to need. We minister according to calling. We respond to the Lord in obedience in what he wants us to do. Because if we uh, minister according to need, you're done. You know why? There's need everywhere. Everywhere you turn. You know, people gave Jesus a hard time for saying, the poor you'll have with you always. You won't have me with you always. They're like, can you believe that? It's true. 
There's going to be people poor. There's going to be people in need all the time. You have to respond to Jesus in what you know he's called you to do with all of your heart. And that's all. They saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. That's my Jesus. That's your Jesus. Compassionate. At the end of himself. Can you believe people are accusing Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and giving him a hard time? calling him a drunkard and a glutton. And this man would do anything for people. Guess what? He did everything. And that's what makes him beautiful as our Savior. That's what makes him our shepherd. He had compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. We're going to see, spoiler alert, there's thousands of people gathered together in this next section of Scripture. Thousands of people. Jesus is freely willing to give himself to them under any circumstance. Why didn't these people have a shepherd? That's what I want to know. There were religious elites there were people who knew the, the laws of, of Israel backwards and forwards. But yet these people needed somebody to love them. They needed a shepherd, somebody who had compassion, and they didn't have it. These people, you know what they needed along with Jesus and his disciples? These people, they needed rest. That's what a shepherd does. He, he, he leads beside quiet waters. Lay down in green pastures. He restores our soul. He was restoring them. So he began to teach them many things. When, one, when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Oh, man, my kind of guys. <laughs> you guys go take care of yourselves. Get out of here. We're tired. You guys moaning and crying and help with everything. The disciples saw them as a job. Jesus saw them as precious sheep. Send them away. I love Jesus' response in verse 37. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. <laughs> Jesus is a joker. Oh, you, you, want, you want them to go away? You're tired? They're not going anywhere. Now you have to give them something to eat. I don't know the tone or how Jesus said to them, but I find this whole story hilarious. Because what Jesus is doing for his disciples is he's teaching them something. He's training them. While they will have the Holy Spirit later when Jesus ascends to heaven and the gift of the Father is given... 
They're going to look back at this opportunity that they had here, and they're going to learn that the people are more important. The people are more important than how you feel. The people are more important than how hungry you are. The people are more important than how tired you are. And that really should be the main thing that comes from the church that has a master like Jesus. Does that make sense? If that's what our master looks like, then that's what we should look like. That's what our church should look like. We should be about helping and blessing and ministering to others. It's others. It's others. You notice that? He says, I'm going to give you power for others. He's doing this miracle, calling them to service for others. But man, nowadays, in this day and age, it's all about me. It's how I feel, or what I have going on, or how people treat me. And I love how Paul says in Corinthians, he says, why not rather be wronged? You guys are dragging each other to court, believers to a non-believing judge. And I love that verse. He says, why not rather be wronged? What is so terrible with just being wronged sometimes? In the name of love and service, just saying, you know what? That was wrong. Bummer. Lord, take care of business. Vengeance is yours. And step back and let the Lord take care of his own. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. This is a joke, you guys. <laughs> Like, try to put the scenario together a little bit, right? They're with Jesus. He says, you guys are going to feed them. They say, do we have almost a year's worth of wages to buy bread for some people? That's how much it was. Jesus, go see what we have to work with. Now, you guys already know. I'm, I'm going to spoil it for you. There's 5,000 men. Not counting women and children. And they come back with five and two fish? Really? Little effort, please? It's like they got the minimum on purpose, you know? It's like, oh, Jesus, we look, but this is all we got. Five loaves and two fish. What are we going to do? Guess we're going to have to send them home, huh? We tried. Also, on the flip side, you know how I feel? I feel sometimes how little I have to offer the Lord. Man, I feel like, Lord, there's these guys who are like strong and handsome and good, eloquent speakers, and I'm short and fat, and sometimes I don't even understand what I'm saying. He says, Tim, what do you got? What do you got to give me? And it's not anything that I can conjure up in myself. 
It's the very minimal. It's the smallest part of me saying, God, all I got is you. This is what I got. And whether you believe me or not this morning, I have seen the Lord in my life over and over and over and over. Take the little thing that I have to offer and multiply it. And I'm just blown away. I'm shocked. I'm like, Lord, how would you do that? And he says, I called you. I equipped you. I promised to take care of you. And I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you what it's really about. When they had found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups of the, on the greens. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. You see, where does the blessing come from? Does it come from the disciples' capacities? Does it come from their learning? Does it come from their background? Where does it come from? It comes from Jesus. It comes from Jesus. And if you have little power, it's because you have little power in yourself, in and of yourself. But if you want great power, you reach out and take from the hands of Jesus what he has to offer. And it ends up being incredibly, exceedingly, abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Notice with me that he... uh, he lifts up the, the loaves and the fish. He blesses them traditionally at this time. When they would bless the food, they would look down. Jesus changes a tradition that they had for themselves. He looks up into heaven to bless the Lord, to bless God for his provision. Notice also that they all ate and they were filled. This wasn't just uh, to tide you over till you get back to town. This was to eat as much as you can. And then we'll pick up the scraps so there's no waste or leftovers. And everybody ate and was filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. That's not including the the potential for the women and the children that, that were there as well. Everybody ate. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida. And while he sent the multitude away... And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. So there's a special connection even for Jesus personally to be able to get away by himself. That's all I want. (laughs) Leave me alone. You have to have that connection to your, your God. That's what he wants. He doesn't want us just to have a corporate gathering and sing worship songs and read the Holy Word together. He wants you personally to get away and seek Him on your own. And look at what it says. It says that Jesus sent His disciples away. He says, you guys go in the boat and cross over to the other side. He sends the multitudes away, which it's time. When it's time, it's done, you know. 
he had ministered to them, he, he helped them, he met them, and he sends them away. The disciples at this point, let's uh, recalibrate the story really quickly. The disciples at this point, they haven't really had a time to rest, have they? Now they're getting ready to row across the sea. They're exhausted. And Jesus says, meet me on the other side. He departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. I would not have been happy rowing to the other side. Without a storm, you know? It's just like, when it rains, it pours. One thing after another, after another, after another, and here we are. We don't know where Jesus is. He's probably sleeping. And we're rowing across the sea. The storm comes, and this is the picture that's painted for us. This is what happened. They're going to a destination. The wind is blowing directly against them. And have you ever tried to swim against current? Like, remember Wet and Wild back in its glory days? Oh. And you and your 10-year-old friends, you're like, how far up the lazy river can you make it? Jesus said we had to meet him on the other side, and when he wait, when in the morning we're going to be on the side that we started him because the wind blew us back over there. And we got to try harder. Come on, guys, let's do rotations. Come on. Exhausted. And then Jesus sees. Do you know what? Are you rowing against the wind right now? Are you tired? Are you swimming against the current? And you're ready to give up. Because you don't know what's going on. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus sees? He sees. And whatever the circumstances, there's nothing, there's nothing in this world that prohibit him from meeting you where you're at in that need. That's the truth. To the point where when he does, supernaturally you get scared. Jesus, where'd you come from? He was walking on the water. Nothing. The same compassion that he had for those 5,000 men and, and, and the extras, he had for his own. He didn't want to see them defeated. He wanted them to go through a test in life that would test them and prove them and allow them to be in a better place in the future. That's what tests are, right? Why do you take tests in school? So that you can tell if you're going to pass the class or not. And if you fail, then why did you take the class in the first? That's what it feels like, right? Stop failing the test. Look at the difficulty. Look at the struggle that you're going through. Look at it through the lens of, Jesus is watching me. I, I am I'm rowing against the wind right now. I don't know what's going on. 
and he's going to save. He's going to come. He's going to help. It's when we get overwhelmed in our exhaustion and want to give up that that's where the defeat comes. When help was always just right there. Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves. Here's the takeaway, guys. Underline it, circle it, take note. This is the end of the sandwich, driving the point home. They were amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood what the loaves, about the loaves, because their hearts were hardened. This kind, of, this kind of brings the story together. Why was Jesus allowing his disciples to be driven beyond the point of exhaustion and frustration? Because they weren't really there for the purpose and reason they were supposed to be there. They had hardened their hearts to whatever degree against him, to whatever degree against the people, to whatever degree against the season that they were in and who they wanted Jesus to be versus who he was showing them he was. Listen, don't don't let hardened hearts stop you from being used by the Lord. And know this, it's not easy and it's not fun. I don't want to say it. You guys know that. If you're a believer, you're following the Lord. You want to know Him. You want to be obedient. But your heart is starting to get hard. God's going to expose it. He's going to put you through things that are going to be difficult so that He can show you that He's the one that wants to be everything that you need. He wants you to know that today. And maybe, I don't know, maybe the longer that the trial is or the more difficult the storm seems, maybe it's just a case of crying out to the Lord and repenting ahead of time instead of after the fact. God, I don't want to have a hard heart. Listen, in the context of this Bible study, I will say ministry is hard. I think I've said this to you guys before. Do you know why ministry is hard? Because people stink. People stink. And the disciples are feeling this. They're saying, Jesus loves these people. He'll do anything for them. We're sick and tired of them. But the people were the purpose that Jesus was present. That's why he was there. It was for the people. So Jesus is teaching them something that they're going to take with them into the future. Ministry is not about serving. Ministry is not about working. Ministry is not about doing. Ministry is about loving. Ministry is about caring and taking care of others and each other.
When they had crossed over, verse 53, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. When they had come out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, ran through the whole surrounding region, and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to whatever they, wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered, into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. There's no sign of things slowing up. They have a little respite, and then right after, the people are clamoring to Jesus again. And Jesus has his brothers, the disciples, with him, and they're seeing it all. Something I want to note before we close and end is uh, this story of Jesus walking on the water. This is the same story, or this is the same time, when Peter walks out to the Lord on the water. But the Gospel of Mark omits that part of the story. Many people believe the reason why, when we started the Gospel of Mark, we talked about it, but that was a while ago. The reason why is that it's Peter himself who's dictating to Mark his experience with Jesus. So, was it that Peter didn't want himself to be glorified in his own account of walking with Jesus? Or was it that Peter didn't want the rest of the people to see him fall into the water because of lack of faith. I don't know. It's not here for a reason. We've set up the picture the way that the Lord wanted us to understand it. But Jesus continues to minister. And the people continue to respond. And to some degree or or, or whatever we see, that the disciples had a moment, a light bulb. I think they got it. When we see that they recognized the condition of their hearts, that's where we all want to be. Is that where you want to be? That's where I want to be. What's making you tired today? Why are you exhausted? I hope you're not. But are you exhausted because you've never known Jesus as your personal Savior? Are you exhausted because you haven't given yourself over to the promise that Jesus says, take my yoke and my burden for it is light? Then maybe today's the day that you respond to the Lord and say, I want rest. I want to come away with you. I want you, I want your eyes to be upon me through the storm. Maybe it's just life. Life is busy, worries, finances, jobs, retirements, etc., etc. And all of the worry has gotten you tired. Can I ask you? Just stop it. Stop. Submit yourself to the Lord. Don't allow that exhaustion to remain in your life. Because he's going to take what little you have and multiply it. So it's a little. So what? Maybe you have been serving the Lord. 
Maybe you recognize that where you're at is exactly where you're supposed to be in your workplace with other believers, and you have been, you have been striving in ministry to help and bless others, and you're getting tired. Stop. No burnout. Just submission to the Lord. Let Him restore you so that you can continue. And then lastly, just think about it. Write it down. Where's your heart at today? Why is it getting hard? What are the struggles? Lord, would you soften it? Would you soften my heart in a way? Because I don't want to be a hard-hearted man. I don't want to be a hard-hearted lady. I want to be you. I want to be yours, your servant. And I want to follow you in obedience unto the help and love for others. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and, and we, we recognize throughout all of your word from the beginning to the end, you're always talking about taking rest. You gave us the Sabbath before you even gave the Jewish people the law. You told us a man can work six days, but the seventh he shall rest. And you gave us that example by resting as well. Thank you. We want to rest in you. Not just stop doing things, but Lord, submit ourselves to you so that we can receive rest, refreshment, and empowering in the calling that you've given us in our lives, even to the level of the power to help and bless others. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.